Welcome to Simply Why, a podcast about money and purpose, where we pull back the curtain on running a financial advisory business focused on providing intentional advice to couples and families. I'm Dennis Morton. And I'm Katie Brown. Welcome back, and thanks for tuning in. Welcome back to the Simply Why podcast. Uh, Katie, how are we doing this week? Great. It's Friday, so doing very well. How about you? Good. We, we've healed from our team day last week and from our volunteer day on Monday. Our team has never sweat so much in five years of existence. That was a fun volunteer day. When- Speak for yourself. I sweat all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Temperature regulation is a whole, a whole other podcast episode one time. Yeah. Oh, we had awesome couple of days. We may have shared this before in our podcast, but each quarter we purposely carve out a day for the team to meet offsite, to brainstorm some things related to the business. How do we best serve clients? Are there new pieces of technology? How should we be thinking about the next hire? The the whole gamut of the ways that we run our business. And we had an awesome offsite day and we we hit the trails, got outside for a little while to kind of get those those creative energy uh, juices flowing. And then we had volunteering also after that. Yeah, it was, it was buggy, messy, uh, it, it got our hands dirty. It was pretty it was pretty nice. And it was for Valley Youth House, which Katie, you're a board member at Valley Youth House, supporting their Camp Fowler, which is, which is a really fun day to, to get out and about. Yeah. I think when we have these team gatherings, one of the things that comes out of it is a very, call it smiley consensus. We finish up the day, we're like, well, walk out and say, all right, this is good. We got our, our marching orders. We know what we're, we're going to do. But we don't always agree. There is definitely disagreement. And one of the purposes behind these team days and developing that chemistry is that there's a safe place to bring those disagreements forward. We want to create healthy conflict and a place where people can bring ideas together. Uh, Katie, we're going to talk today about disagreement, disagreement in business, in relationships with money, because it's not always smiley and polite, is it? Correct. It is not always smiley and polite. Sometimes it is on the surface, but a lot of times there's a lot of work to even get to that point. (laughs) Yeah. Let's use the two of us, for example. And we've talked before about how you and I didn't work closely together early in our careers. We were at the same firm, different functions, know the twain shall meet. And I think as we started coming together to to build the business idea it wasn't kind of so much disagreement as that we just didn't talk about things. We, there was no, there was no common ground. And I think that's where a lot of relationships, both business and personal find themselves is that rather than talk about it, they just don't talk about anything at all. And that, that can be just as much of an, an issue, right? Yes. I think it's the lack of communication and then insert assumptions <laughs> into how those, how those disagreements can bubble up then sometimes. But I think you are exactly right. And both within some of our history of working with one another, we recognize that, but then also within families and the communication that happens with couples or lack of communication that happens with couples. And then the assumption that they are on the same page and maybe one person is is driving that a little bit more than the other one, which works until it doesn't. I think you're right that lack of communication can lead to those disagreements. I love that term that you use, those, those quiet assumptions, mm-hmm. the things that we don't talk about, we assume of the other. And I think there were probably assumptions 10 years ago that we had of each other as in the realm of business that we then had to rectify as we started thinking about, all right, now what if we were working side by side, doing the same thing, building a business? What are some things that you think we've disagreed on or at least had tension over in the past? 
No, I would say I think some of the things that we've disagreed on or had tension on are maybe some of the bigger offerings or services mm-hmm. from the standpoint of, and you are a, very much a strategic thinker and you're always kind of looking out over that next hill and saying, okay, what do we need to do? What do we need to have in place to best serve our clients? And I very much value that and, and appreciate that. And I'm on the, the same page, but sometimes you're looking, I think at maybe adding a new line of service or a new strategy. Whereas my inclination is to push back and say, how does that happen operationally? How does that happen from a compliance standpoint? And we're not always on the same page with, do we implement this new thing? Or it takes me a while to get warmed up to, okay, yeah, we can do that. And we can do that successfully. And maybe that's another one. It's the pace of, of how we move and, and what we do when we do it. Yes. I, I think that's, that's an area. One of the things when thinking this through on the conflict side and disagreement, I think it can turn into influence mm-hmm. rather than disagreeing. It could be, how do we positively influence or, or you bring your best attributes to things that might need to be regulated on my side. And I think pace is a great one. I'm someone who's going to keep trying to add in more, but you kind of look at that and say, well, why don't we do this better? Mm-hmm. It's helpful because when we talked with the team last week, we asked the question, are we going to go broader on something in our offerings? Or are we going to go deeper on what we already have? And let's have that conversation. And I think that's a lot of your influence coming through. Yes. And I think we coach that with clients also. Oftentimes clients will will come to us and say, we're at this point, I think we need to add more stuff or add more strategies or add a, a different approach. When sometimes really the, the better solution is to stay, and we, we talk a lot about simplification when we've talked about it on this podcast as well, but to make sure that we're doing the right things consistently and that and that we're showing up and not necessarily add more of that complication, but, but go deeper on, on the good stuff. So I, I think it's across the board, but in that process, we had those stress points, both internally, externally, clients have them as well, those stress points of disagreement and when do you add in the next thing? When do you say, okay, let's focus on this? You know where I've heard clients disagree a lot Hmm. is around communication, the effectiveness of it. You've heard this too, where one person thinks I communicate well, and the other one's like, "Mm, not so so sure, but not so sure we have the same definition of of communication. Have you seen, seen, witnessed that in kind of couples dynamics? Yes, I have. And I've even had some couples express to me as well that we're not always on the same page, but we try to get enough on the same page so that we're showing up unified. Right. And sometimes I, I push back a little bit on that to say, I really appreciate that. But if there's something happening in the background that you're not on the same page that we can help support you with, and we can help bring some clarity so that you are showing up confidently in, in the same place, that's part of our role as advisors as well. Sometimes the disagreements that people might might have are something that they kind of want to keep and solve for themselves when sometimes that outside influence is helpful in getting through that process. You know what I think has been really helpful? It's kind of to the same point and bring it into the business side of things. What's been really helpful for us is I think what you and I have witnessed in our careers is sometimes financial advisors feel like they have to have all the answers. 
that there's a perfection that, if, well, I can't tell clients, I don't know, because then what's my use? What's my purpose? We've seen the downside of that in just the way the, the client experiences of the places and everything else. We've seen kind of what happens when an advisor can't admit that they don't know. Mm-hmm. And you end up with a lot, you end up with conflict and you end up with um, a challenging financial planning experience. But I think you and I approached this a lot of times saying we don't have the answer here. So there's no pride of authorship. And we bring that to the team sometimes to say, listen, we don't have the answer. We're going to hash through it. And I think that helps to disarm things that can become disagreeable mm-hmm. over time. So we're not, we're not saying I have the one right way because frankly, there is no one right way. I think also one thing that's been helpful as well, we often talk about our coaching relationship that we have with Steve Sandusky and, and he has been a really great mediator at the table on occasion, but he is very good asking the question. And I've turned around and I've used this with clients and other people as well to ask the question on a scale of one to 10, how excited are you about this particular strategy, this particular goal in retirement, whatever the case may be where that disagreement lies. And it, And and once you have to break it down into like a numerical number and be totally honest with it, I think that's where you can recognize, okay, there is a difference. Now let's open up the conversation as to why, what is the concern? What is the excitement? Whatever the case may be. And you can kind of work through it from that standpoint. So just a little strategy I know that we've utilized and have really appreciated. That's brought up some areas where we were all not quite on the same page too. Like Steve turns around and uses that with us and, and he would ask us about personal performance and things like that. But I think even our big, hairy, audacious goal was something that you and I differed on. I don't know if it quite crossed over into disagreement, but we were definitely on different pages there for a little while when we thought about the long-term vision for the firm, right? Right. And, and I think some of that goes back to our personalities in that I needed to flush out how we got from A to B a little bit bit more. I needed to better understand the meaning of all of that across multiple layers of what we do. Like for for our big goals, how does that show up in the number of families that we're serving? How does that show up in our community? How does that show up in a lot of different areas? It just it takes me a little while to to digest that. Whereas I think maybe those dots were connected quicker for you. And so your initial excitement was higher than my initial excitement until I kind of brought in the gravity of some of those big goals and what that means. Thinking back on, on those, and this is probably four or five years ago that we were having this conversation. And I, I was, was excited about setting a, a big goal. And I like the idea of jumping in to fix things. And I think like, well, if it's not that way, we'll just, we'll just fix it. I think you ask the very appropriate question, okay, but how? And it, and it puts that, that regulator on it. Mm-hmm. We also disagreed on marketing. Oh, all the time. All the time. Marketing, <laughs> blogging, writing. The fact that we're even doing this podcast is, is like such a, such a win because we disagreed on the value of any of this stuff. Five or six years ago, Katie, what was your take on marketing, evangelizing, all the things that kind of put the word out there about the work that you do? Dennis, I'm going to clarify for a minute. I don't think the disagreement is rooted in the value of it. I think it's dis- the disagreement is rooted in the comfort level of it. Ah. I absolutely see value in communicating. I do love opportunities to share with people what we're doing and how we do it and how we think about things. That being said, this is an uncomfortable place for me. I mean, the... the now you tell me. <laughs> I'm much more comfortable now than I was. Good. But the first few podcasts, totally uncomfortable. The first few videos, totally uncomfortable. 
I appreciate the podcast more because I feel like we can just have a conversation. Whereas if you told me to write my thoughts down in a blog, you can just write forever. I have immediate writer's block. Words just don't come to me as seamlessly as they do for some other people. But that's okay because my strengths show up in other places and I appreciate that. But the whole world of marketing and communication is just not a natural place for me to gravitate, to be, to feel comfortable. And I remember thinking at, at the time, just as we're trying, trying to figure out how do, how do we spread the word about this firm that we're building and, and the work that we do and what makes it unique, I read a book uh, called This Is Marketing by Seth Godin. And Seth's just a, a genius marketer. He's, he's been talking about it for a long time. And this one idea that he had in there really stuck with me, and it was to share what you're doing, to tell your story, to market whatever business you have is truly an act of generosity. If you really believe in the work that you're doing, and people need that work, it's selfish of you not to share that and, and to put, put that out there. And I think when we started talking in that way, that, like, hey, this is our act of generosity to say, here's what Morton Brown Family Wealth does. This is the value that we deliver. And let's talk openly about it. I think that turned it around for both of us and made us much more inclined to, to, start, to start sharing. And it's become, you're right, you build a muscle. It's become more comfortable. Yes, I, I agree wholeheartedly. The more we are talking about it and the more we are communicating with clients and the more hopefully we continue to deliver incredible amounts of value for the families, that's always our our goal to make that client experience better and better. The more of a stark contrast there is when we see when that's not being done. And honestly, we sometimes get frustrated with what we see in the financial industry for some advisors, not giving the same level of attention and the same level of planning work, thought process and everything else into into recommendations when they're showing up, if they're showing up. And so that also has fed into my desire to speak more about the things that we do, because I know that it's not the case across the board and for many different reasons. I think that's kind of a point of frustration, which has given us additional energy. I agree. I agree. And I have to put this out there. I can't get over the irony of you having that reluctance initially, and then to show up at the Schwab Impact Conference last year in Denver and to see a 40-foot version of your face up on the, as Katie's part of their national marketing campaign, to see a 40-foot Katie up on the screen. It's like, okay, this is the one who didn't quite want to be public. Here we go. So I think there's a concept here that applies to both us as advisors and to the client experience. And it actually helps out the relationship, which is there's a certain amount of authenticity and talking openly about where you are, what you're doing. If you're an advisor, there's also a certain amount of authenticity that comes through in a couple relationship that each person can speak to what their fears and aspirations are to how they interact with each other. And the more they can talk about that authentically, the less inclined they are to be disagreeable. They might see see things differently, but they're going to be less inclined to be disagreeable. I think the authenticity really helped us in starting out the business. And I think it can be really helpful for couples having financial conversations. Yeah. A big piece of that is vulnerability and and the willingness, like you said, to to share some of those concerns, some of those fears. One of the comments that I made earlier clarifications was, for me, it wasn't a disagreement in the value that was to be delivered, but I was coming from a place of discomfort. And I think that that in itself often leads to disagreement because We're more inclined to stay where we are comfortable. And if something feels uncomfortable, then are we going to 
bring our vulnerable self there to kind of work through it, to find that common ground and, and to solve those disagreements. Being willing to show up can be a challenge. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I remember you saying before, and I think this applies to both of us, what we could or should be saying as advisors. There was this perception that we had to morph somehow into this jargon-speaking person who just talked about the stock market all day in front of clients. And we both kind of had this epiphany, like, I don't need to be that person. And it, it kind of set us on a different path to the way we show up for, for clients too. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's a big piece of the creative side of being an advisor. Also, I mean, there's a whole spectrum of the type of advice that we deliver. And back to your point that you made previously, we don't have to know all the things. Sometimes our greatest role is being the connector to having access to the research, access to professionals, knowing who to call when, and and knowing when to say, I don't have a good answer. Mm-hmm. And, and that's okay. We're going to work to get you a good answer. Because... I think sometimes there are unrealistic expectations for what one individual person can do. And sometimes it's a matter of us permissioning ourselves or accepting for ourselves, like, okay, I can't do it all, but I know that we can bring the team together that can or hand it off when we need to. What you're talking about is is really the tension that exists when there are two different opinions or one person doesn't know the answer. Suddenly you have to get creative. You have to think about, all right, we have to work through something here. It's not so easy as just saying, we see eye to eye, we have all the answers, that, that's not the world that we live in. So I guess my suggestion for, for clients and for other professionals is to look for that tension. It might not be full on disagreement, but look for where the tension is. And that's the place where the creative work can be best applied. And I think it's, it's a good place to be mindful. Good advice, Dennis. <laughs> Thank you, Katie. <laughs> now, now we're going to get to the, the stuff we're really going to disagree on. Um, best television show from the 80s. Oh, oh, geez. Um, Wonder Years. Was, was Wonder Years even 80s or 90s? I feel like it was 80s. Wonder Years was, it debuted at the Super Bowl in 1986. Ah, nice. Look at that. How, how, how do you know that? Why? If I could remember the important <laughs> stuff, I'd be dangerous. <laughs> it's just, they're running those commercials with a little Fred Savage coming up after the Super Bowl. <laughs> the Broncos are not going to win. All right. Uh, best band of the 90s. Oh, I knew that was going to come next. Nirvana? Are you guessing? (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of great music from the 90s. I just feel like if Deke is listening to this, he would appreciate that I'd say Nirvana. (laughs) Deke, if you're out there listening, this this, this one's for you. No, no, it's got to be Soundgarden. Oh, Soundgarden was good. Yeah, yeah. they 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 were excellent. Okay. Uh, best concert you've ever seen. Let's go with Dave Matthews Band in Madison Square Gardens. What, what year? 2000. I think it was 2000. Okay. 99 or 2000. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah. A good it was note. my first time to Madison Square Gardens ever, too. So it was kind of cool. And, and for whatever reason, me, the girl from Michigan, was voted to drive into the city. So I was the one that got to drive in. I don't know why. <laughs> okay. But it was a blast. Yeah. Best best show I've ever been to was uh, U2 uh, through a incredible turn of luck. We've got moved up to the front row for in 1997 to see you two, which wow. was uh, RFK stadium, which was pretty, pretty wild, pretty wild experience. Very cool. All right. Good conversation on disagreement, tension, and the ways that we can look for it and for ways to improve our relationships with other people, improve the way we talk about money and show up in a more authentic way. 
Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Simply Why, a podcast about money and purpose. We hope you enjoy getting to know us, how we approach leading a financial advisory practice, and the work we do every day to help families and couples make important financial decisions. Morton Brown Family Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This podcast is designed for educational and informational purposes and not intended as investment advice. More information can be found at www.mortonbrownfw.com. It was the up and smoke tour, wasn't it? Oh, it was so good. Yeah. <laughs> we weaseled our way to like second row. <laughs> Just kind of bizarre. Anyway, it was good. <laughs>